Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the Least of These Podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much and God bless you. two times holy, but he's three times holy. He's holy, holy, holy. He's completely, totally, and perfectly, completely holy. Well, we're going to be in Romans chapter 10 today. We're going to look at starting in verse 5 today. Remember the book of Romans is really about the fact that that there's a righteousness that comes from God, and that's the only righteousness there is, right? That Jesus just as he's holy, 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 even though the Bible doesn't say it, he says he's, he's righteous, righteous, righteous. The Bible says in First uh, John that in him it, it, he is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. In other words, he's completely holy, completely righteous. You know what? We're the opposite, right? And that's why we need a Savior. The first three chapters really talk about the fact that that we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And he says that at the end of chapter 3, verse 20, he says that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may become guilty before God. And then he begins to tell us how Abraham was saved and how David was saved. And they believe by faith, right? They believed in a Savior who was coming, Jesus Christ. And then he tells us in chapter 5, since since we've trusted in Christ by faith that we didn't do anything to earn it, deserve it, or pay for it, guess what? We can't do anything to lose it because God is the one that gave it to us, right? And then he compares the, the sin of Adam to the, the greatest gift of all that, that Jesus gave us. He says, Adam did all these things, and this is the problems it caused, but this is what Jesus gave us. In chapter 6, he says, now that you're a Christian... Begin to act like one. Reckon yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. And then chapter 7, he tells us about the problem of living the Christian life because guess what? Paul says, the things I want to do, I can't do, but the things I don't want to do, I do those who shall deliver me from this body of death. And Paul talks about the problem of living the Christian life. And he, he says in chapter 8, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, those of us that know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior still have problems living the Christian life. And because we do, sometimes we get discouraged. Sometimes we get disappointed. I talked with a guy yesterday for about an hour and something that I grew up with. And and he says, sometimes I just want to give up. I said, well, you know what? If you're truly a Christian, you don't have to give up because you're a conqueror. And you know what? Jesus paid for all of your sins, not some of your sins, but all of your sins, right? 
And so when we get to chapter 9, after Paul tells us in chapter 8 that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, chapter 9 talks about the sovereignty of God, how he went down through starting with Isaac and, and Ishmael, and he, and he picked out the kids, and he chose through Egypt, and he chose all the way down to the nation of Israel. And chapter 10 begins, end of that, he begins to tell us how they rejected Jesus. And that's kind of where we're at. He talks about the sovereignty of God, chapter 9 and chapter 10. He tells us about the fact that Israel has rejected Jesus Christ. And that's why they haven't been saved. So let's read. I want to start back in verse 4 for just a minute. And then we're going to move on. He says in Romans chapter 10 verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. In other words, when Christ died, he fulfilled the law. He, He lived a perfectly sinless, holy life. And when he died on the cross, he perfectly completed everything. He's the end of the law for everyone who believes. In other words, people were trying to get to heaven by the law, but the only way you could get to heaven by the law was if you never, ever sinned. You know what? That was impossible. It's still impossible. And so none of us are righteous. None of us are holy. And so he says once Jesus Christ died on the cross, it's, we're no longer under law, but we're under grace. In other words... We don't have to keep the law, but you know what? We want to keep the law. Before we were saved, we didn't want to do what was right. But now that we've saved, we want to trust. We want to live for God. Our want-tos have changed. And so he says it's the righteousness to everyone who believes. So everyone who believes. It's not everyone who behaves, but everyone who believes, right? You know, that law work says, you know, God's going to let you to heaven if you behave. But you know what? The Bible says that that God forgives those who believe, not those who behave. Now, once you believe, guess what you begin to do? You begin to behave, right? You begin to act like God. And so let's read verses 5 through about 8 and see how far we get today. I think that's probably about as far as we're going to get. He says, for Moses writes about the righteousness, which is of the law, the man who does those sanctions shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. So let's start right there. And you know the the Jews, they misunderstood their own law. They thought that by doing good deeds and works, and even today many people teach, you know, if you're baptized, you're going to heaven. If you join the church, you're going to heaven. If you do more good than bad, you're going to heaven. You know, and everybody's got this standard, well, I'm, I'm not as bad as other people. And you know what? That's not what the Bible says. It says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the Jews, remember, they had the Pharisees and they thought they were they were all that in a bag of chips, as somebody once said. They thought they were it. You know, they, they thought they were holy, holy, holy. But they weren't. They weren't even holy, much less three times holy. And Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, 
you will by no means enter into the kingdom of God. In other words, they thought they were holy by what they did. But Jesus says, that's what condemns you. What's going to make you holy is believing in Jesus Christ. And so whether we read in the Old Testament passages such as 1 Kings chapter 9 or Deuteronomy chapter 28 or in the New Testament we can read in Luke chapter 21, what you're going to find is there's all these predictions of tragedy for Israel. And the reason there's these predictions is because Israel rejected God, his righteousness, and tried to live in their own righteousness. And they kept turning away from God. And, and we saw the, the Old Testament, all those tragedies came to pass. And in the New Testament, we saw ultimately in AD 70 that the, the city of Jerusalem and the temple and all that was destroyed. And ultimately, we ask, you know, ourselves, how did the nation of Israel, which was supposed to be God's chosen people, how is it that all this devastation, this destruction, and this lostness of the nation of Israel, how did that occur? How did they get so lost? How did they, after they had all the covenants and everything else, and how did they miss out on God's blessing? And that's really what Romans chapter 10 answers. And basically it's because of their ignorant unbelief. Because they weren't willing to believe the truth. And because of their ignorant unbelief, they forfeited God's blessing. You know what? Just as all men and women do who live in unbelief and they brought upon themselves God's judgments. So if we don't believe what the Bible says, remember in John chapter 5, Jesus says, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sin. That's what he told the Pharisees. As he gets to Romans chapter 10 verse 5, he begins by saying, For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. In other words, what, what this section is, is it's quoted from Leviticus chapter 18, verse 5. And at the end, that, that, that talks about the man who does these things shall live by them. It is quoted from uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 12 and 14. In other words, what, what this passage is saying and this verse is saying is if you were going to be per, if you were going to keep the demands of a holy God and you were going to get into heaven on your own, you know what? You would you would have to do everything perfectly. You would have to keep the entire law perfectly. That means you could never ever sin, not even once in your life. You know, the Bible says. In James chapter 2, verse 10, for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, he is guilty of all. You know, I've talked about the chain before. If you were hanging from a chain and it had 10 links in it, maybe those represent the 10 commandments, right? And let's say we break one link in the chain. It doesn't matter whether it's the last one or the one that's hanging from the hook in the ceiling. What's going to happen? We're going to fall, right, if we're hanging from it. And that's what James says, that no matter which one of the commandments you break, what you've done is you've broken God's law. And when we think about it, if we've ever done anything we shouldn't have done, ever, and if we've ever not done something that we should do, ever, guess what? We need a Savior. And guess what that means? That means that all of us need a Savior, right? 
because all of us have done things we shouldn't do and all of us have done things not done things that we should do you know the bible talks about the sin of omission jesus says that to him that knows to do good and doesn't do it it's what sin right and if we knew to do something that we should have done and we never did it that's sin also when moses says this and what he said back in leviticus and what he said in in uh, deuteronomy and if you remember Moses wrote the five, first five books of the New Testament, right? Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, right? But Leviticus also gives us the law. And what happens here is we see that because he's quoting Moses, what Paul's saying to us is this is not a new idea. This is not a new concept that... You know what? Moses had proclaimed, if you want to go to heaven, guess what? You're going to only get there by faith. It's not by keeping the law. And so what Moses, what Paul does is he, he quotes the Old Testament to prove that the Jews didn't even understand their own law. And Leviticus 18.5 says the purpose of the law is if you obey it, you'll live. In other words, if you obey it perfectly, you'll live, Right? You know what the Jews would say, but we did obey it. And you know what? A lot of people would say they obeyed it too. You remember we talked about the rich young ruler and he says, good teacher. And Jesus says, you know, if you've kept the commandments and he says, I've kept them from my youth, which he hadn't. But yet Jesus says, well, go and sell all you have and you'll have riches in heaven. And it says he went away sad. Why? Because he had great riches. And he broke the biggest commandment at all. He was covetous. He, he, he wanted his stuff and his things, and he wasn't willing to give it up for God, right? Paul would say in Galatians chapter 3, verse 10, for as many are as of the works of the law. In other words, as many as people as want to live by the works, as many people want to live by the law, as many as people want to save themselves, they're under the curse. They're all accursed. For it's written, cursed is everyone that continues not in all things written in the book of the law to do them. Like I said, so if you've ever done something that you shouldn't have, and if you've never not done something you should have, you're cursed. And, and Paul's going to say to the Jews, and, and he'll say to us too, you know what, you've obeyed it outwardly, but you did not believe it from your heart. See, that's the problem. The Bible has always spoken about the heart. You remember all the way back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and he said, if you love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind, right? And, and the whole book of Deuteronomy talks about that. And what Paul does when he quotes Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 12 through 14, he gives it a deeper spiritual meaning. And the theme of Moses' message was the commandment, chapter 30, verse 11 in Deuteronomy, referring to the word of God, but Moses argued that the Jews had no reason to disobey the word of God because it had been clearly explained to them and it wasn't far from them. But Moses urged them to receive the word of God in their hearts. And so when we look at this passage, what we can see also in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 29, he says, Oh, that they had such a heart that they would fear me and always keep my commandments that it might be well with them and their children forever. And then Deuteronomy 30 verse 6 says, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart 
and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, that you may live. So the emphasis in Deuteronomy and really the whole Bible is not just emphasis on looking good on the outside. You know, people dress up for church all the time. The Jews look good. What did Jesus say about the Pharisees? He said on the outside, they're, they're like whitewashed tombs, but on the inside, they're full of dead men's bones. You know, a lot of people go to church on Sunday and they're all dressed up like I am today. And But you know what? They walk out to church and they start, you know, cussing and smoking and they head down to the local bar and start getting drunk and or they go steal or they go get high or they do something. That's not the evidence of a true Christian. The evidence of a true Christian says that your life is different. And so when he gets to Deuteronomy, when he gets here to Romans chapter 10, verse 6, he begins to say in this section here, but the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven. That is to bring Christ down from above. And verse 7 says, or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring up Christ from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. So this material in Deuteronomy that was originally Moses wrote down from God was written to the generation of Israel as they were about to enter the land of Canaan. And what Moses was doing was he was prophetically dealing with, with how God was going to deal with Israel and blessing was promised if they obeyed and chastisement was said that was going to happen when they rejected and disobeyed God, right? And if Israel forsook God, you know what they said was going to happen? They would be dispersed all over the world. And we know today that that's happened, right? We've seen it. They've been dispersed all over the world. They would have afflict, they would be afflicted. And finally, the Bible says that one day they're going to turn back to God. We've talked about that in Zechariah chapter 12. And he says, and they will, or 14, he says, and they will look on him whom they pierced, right? And they will believe he's the Christ. And he's going to restore them to blessings, prosperity, and prominence amongst the nations. That's verse 30, chapter 30, verse 1 through 10. But the point of Moses speaking to them is that the generation to whom he had, whom he was speaking, had the message. They had the truth about Jesus. They had the truth about the word of God. And they could respond by faith in their heart, right? And they could walk with God in obedience. What Moses is saying, since they had the message that they did not need it to be brought down from heaven or someone to cross the sea to get it. Instead, the word was near them, and they could believe it and hear it and be saved. And what he's doing here is there's these two Jewish proverbs. What it was saying, in fact, to be high and far away was to be something that was unattainable. It was something impossible. In other words, when he says here, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. What he's saying is those two things are impossible, right? Nobody can go into heaven and bring Christ down. Nobody can go down into the grave or down below and bring Christ back up from the grave. And what Paul is doing is he's saying in this Deuteronomy passage that it's a call to faith. That it's a call to believe. And it's always been that way through the whole Old Testament. 
to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That was the whole Old Testament. And that's the call today is to believe and to be saved. The Bible says whoever believes shall be saved, right? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that what? Whoever believes in him shall be saved, right? Not whoever does this or that or behaves, but whoever believes, right? And so it's a call to faith. It's a call to a true heart relationship, not just trying to look good on the outside, not dressing up and acting right in front of the right people, but, but a change that happens in here. That's what God's looking for. That's what he's always been looking for. In Deuteronomy chapter 9, what Moses says through, through the God speaking and writing it down, he says, Do not think in your heart after the Lord your God has cast them out before you, saying, Because of my righteousness, the Lord has brought me in to possess the land, but it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out before you. It is not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart that you go in to possess the land, because, but because of the wickedness of the nations that the Lord your God drives them out before you, that he may fulfill the, the word which, your Lord, which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Therefore understand the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness. And he says, for you are a stiff-necked people. And he's talking to Israel, right? What this statement is saying is where he says here, do not say in your heart, who will ascend to heaven? What he's saying is that this statement is really implying that the Jews are saying that Jesus never came down from heaven. And that's what they've said, right? They're still looking for a Messiah. They're still looking for a Savior. And really, it's a, it's a taunt of unbelief. And what happens is Paul is saying, listen, You've got the truth. You've heard the truth. You're responsible. Christ came down. John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And verse 14 says, And, and the Word became flesh, and He dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In other words, Christ came down, and He lived on earth. And he tabernacled with men, and that's the, that's the most significant proof that he came down from heaven. And we dare not say that who shall ascend to heaven to find the truth, because you know what? Christ came to earth. And there's many, many passages in the Bible that prove that. And in verse 7 says, Or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead? And this is really what it is, it's a denial of the resurrection. And they're saying that, that Jesus did not die, he did not, was not buried, and he did not rise again on the third day. That's what they're saying by this. And it echoes the same kind of unbelief as verse 6. It also discounts the fact that Jesus went into the realm of the dead and returned to life. Let me read you a couple passages in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. It says, Therefore he says, When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. That's when he went up to heaven. He, he gave us the Holy Spirit, and he gave gifts to men through the Holy Spirit. But he says, now this he who ascended, what does it mean that he first also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens, 
that he might fill all in all. Let me read one more verse and uh, one more section in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. And he says here, For Christ also suffered once for our sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, by whom he also went and preached to the spirits in prison, who formerly were disobedient when the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. So what this is saying is Ephesians 4.8 says that Jesus came down the earth. He lived on the earth. He died and he was buried. But while he was in the grave, 1 Peter 3.18 tells us, you know what he did? He went and he preached to the spirits who were in prison. And we could spend... 15 minutes on that one section but when you go over to Genesis chapter 6 what you find is it talks about a group of people these mighty men of old and I believe they were half demons or they were demon possessed people and it says they went into the daughters of men and they had these mighty men and they had these people and they says God had to destroy the world because guess what there were these ungodly demon possessed people or half demon half half human people they were trying what the devil was trying to do was he was trying to destroy the godly line he was trying to keep Jesus from coming and what happened is because these these demon demons came down to earth and they cohabitated with women and they had these children and had these, these ungodly people, what he says is that Jesus put these demons in the abyss. And there's people down there already are in a holding spot that are there because one day they're going to be sent to hell because this is a precursor to hell. And what he's saying is during that three-day period of time while Jesus was in the grave, what he did is he went down into this holding place and he told the spirits, the demons, and he told the people who had never trusted Christ that the victory had been won. And then he took the people who were in the, what they called the Old Testament, Abraham's bosom, which was a kind of precursor to heaven. And he took those people and he took them back up to heaven with them. And he took them out of the holding place. And, and what all that says is that these people are denying that all these things happened that Jesus died, was buried, rose again, and went down into the depths of the deep and preached the truth to those people and said the victory's been won. That's what this passage is saying. They're denying it. They're discounting it. But Moses is saying the word of faith is available and accessible. He says in Isaiah 45, verse 19, I have not spoken in secret in a dark place of the earth. I did not seek. Say to the seed of Israel, seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak righteousness. I declare things that are right. Let's read one more verse and we'll be finished. He says in Romans chapter 10, verse 8, But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. And verse 8 is really the confirmation of the truth of Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 12 to 14 and it's slightly altered in the quotation of verse 14 but what Paul's doing is he's specifying that the 
original burden, original message is the message of the gospel is preached by the apostles. And that word of faith is the word of faith that's not the word that faith utters. It is the word preached and the message that brings the gospel into our mouth and our heart. In other words, what the original context says, if you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in the book of the law, if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, for this is the commandment I command you today. It's not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. So in other words, Paul saw the commandment or the word as meaning Christ, God's word. And he substituted Christ for the commandment. And he told us that salvation was not too difficult. It was not diff complicated. In other words, the gospel of Christ, the word of faith is accessible and available to all. You know, a little four-year-old child can trust Christ. My son did it about four years old. And we ride on the bicycle one day, and I about fell off the bicycle, and he was sitting in the little child seat in the back, and he was three, four years old at that time, and he looked at, and three years old, and he says, you know what, Daddy? I said, what? He said, I can't wait to see Jesus, Jesus coming in the clouds. And I went, what? See Jesus coming in the clouds? What does a three-year-old know about Jesus coming in the clouds? Or a four-year-old? He was either three or four. I can't remember now. I about fell off the bicycle and wrecked it. Basically, the Bible says that the sinner doesn't need to perform difficult works in order to be saved. All we got to do is trust Christ. The very words on the lips of the religious Jews was the word of faith. The very law they read and recited pointed to Christ. The Bible we read today points to Christ. You know, God doesn't scorn the laws. He doesn't mock the laws by offering a salvation that's utterly unattainable and expect us to go on some kind of impossible quest. We've talked about that before. If we had said we had to be saved and you could walk 100 yards, some of y'all might not be able to walk that far. If we said we had to swim, you know, half a mile, some of us might not could make that. If we had to do this or do that or do the other, you know, we'd be in trouble, right? But the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's possible for everybody, right? That has the mental faculties. And the Bible says that those, from what I believe, the Bible says that those that cannot understand or never live long enough to truly understand the truth, they're not held accountable for that. You know, people that are mentally incapable, you know, the people that we used to, the, I don't know what they call them now. We used to call them retarded. They call them mentally incapacitated or whatever they call them nowadays. I don't know what the politically correct term is, but they don't have the mental capabilities to believe and understand because they're just not there. And a little child, the Bible says that David spoke of his little child and his little child died and, and he said, you know what? He can't come back to me, but I can go to him. In other words, he went to heaven. His little baby did. We don't know if it was a boy or a girl. And Jesus said that the eyes of these little ones behold the Father's angels in heaven. The Bible talks about the fact that those that trust Christ are able to be saved. So folks, you know what? Here's the bottom line of this passage. I know I said a lot of stuff. 
But here's the bottom line in this passage. What it's saying is the word is near us. God is near us. The truth is near us. The truth is not impossible to find. It's not so high that we can't find it. It's not so deep that we can't go dig it up. We don't have to go dig it up. We don't have to do something impossible. We don't have to try to live perfectly all our life. But what we need to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And that's what we're going to talk about the next time. And we'll explain that. But listen, the bottom line is, as the Bible says, whoever calls on my name shall be saved. Like I said, God said it so many times. Believe, believe, believe. And when we believe the truth that Jesus is God and he died on the cross and he died for our sins and he was buried and he rose again the third day, that's what saves us. Not doing good works, not taking communion, not being baptized, not joining a church, not whatever, being more good than bad. You know, well, I've done more good than bad. That's what I always believed when I was, you know, growing up. That, you know, that there was this cosmic scale, and if you do more good than bad, you're going to make it to heaven. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father but by him. So if you've never trusted Christ, ask him to forgive you today. Ask him to save you. Cry out and say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Save me. And the Bible says, whoever calls on his name, shall be saved let's pray father we thank you for all of your word and we thank you that it's all truth and it's sufficient for everything for doctrine for teaching for correction for telling us we've messed up for reproof to tell us how to get straight again and how to instruct us in righteous that we might stay right lord it shows us the road it says you got off the road you need to get back on the road and here's how to stay on the road Father, we are so thankful for your word, and it shows us the truth about Jesus. So, Father, if there's one here that doesn't know you, I pray today they would cry out and ask you to forgive them and ask you to save them because we're all of sin and come short of the glory of God. And there's none righteous, no, not one. But you said whoever calls on your name shall be saved. They shall be made righteous. Father, work in our hearts today. Just glorify yourself by whatever you're doing in our lives. For those of us that know you, help us to continue to share the gospel, to let others know by our good works who you are, that they might glorify you in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Please help us reach out to those the world has forgotten. Everyone we minister to is locked up in some way, shape, or form. Those in the nursing home facilities are locked up in bodies that do not work in a wheelchair or in a bed. We minister to children and youth who are locked up because of behavioral problems. Some have told us we want to have a real family because their parents have lost or given up custody of them. Other kids are locked up because they've committed crimes. We also minister to those locked up at the jails and the prisons, to those locked up in addictions, 
to drugs, alcohol, depression, and suicidal thoughts, to those locked up in a variety of other things that keep them from becoming who Jesus wants them to be. He came to give us abundant life, joy, and set us free, and these people that we minister to are not free. Our desire is to show them whatever their background, no matter what they've done, to see how much God loves them. We seek to help them receive forgiveness and freedom from their sin in Jesus Christ. We minister in the local area of Savannah, Georgia, and surrounding Effingham and Chatham area. We have recently expanded our ministry to the Lexington, Columbia, South Carolina area. We do over 2,000 services every year. We hope and pray that you will support us in some way that so we can continue our mission. Go to hisloveministries.net and click on the Donate Now button or send it via regular mail to Post Office Box 1881, Lexington, South Carolina, 29071. We hope and pray that you will do that. Thank you and God bless you. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. John 832.